Episode 58, Sunday, December the 9th, 2012. Hey, stud. It's time for the XJ Talk Show. Now, here's my two favorite boys, Tony and Josh. <laughs> well, I don't know how much of a boy I am, and I don't think uh, Tony is uh, in his boy prime anymore. But here we are, and uh, it's another time for uh, another podcast, folks. So thanks for joining us. And we've got, uh, we got some good stuff for you this time around. Uh, I'm going to jump in with, uh, with some interesting stuff that, that uh, that's happened to our Cherokees. Both Tony and I... I've been working on our Cherokees over the last week, and uh, we both have <laughs> we both have some stories to tell for you guys. We all know that uh, Cherokee Cherokee projects can get a little creative and uh, show us the man. Been into that uh, and tell you guys a little bit of how our week went. Oh man, my Eakin Cherokee! I hope you were more successful than I was. Well, uh, I think it ended up that way, but geez, uh, it, it really was a long road getting there. Well, I don't. Do you want me to start, or, or do you want to do you want to go first as far as what happened with your rig this week? Well, let me give everybody an idea of uh, what's going on here. Hey guys, my name's Tony. Uh, you know me as Mudderoy on XJTalk.com, and uh, funny I should mention that because uh, the XJ Talk Show is the show that. Uh, well, we talk about cheap Cherokees here, and we also uh, try to promote uh, the forum that this uh, podcast spawned from, which is xjtalk.com. So if you're a Jeeper, if you're a Cherokee owner, or if you just like uh, podcasts and uh, you'd like to get involved more uh, on the forum side of things, come over and join us at xjtalk.com. So uh, as uh, the lady said, uh, Tony and Josh, Josh is... Uh, my co-host here on this uh, fun show. We've been doing this for a little over a year. Uh, Josh uh, uh, just recently joined about, what, Josh, two, three months ago? Yeah, about that, and uh, some some degree of involvement or another. And uh, as the last uh, few, what, four or five episodes or so has, uh, has come on, I've been, you know, uh, actively participating a little more and more. And, you know, you brought me on as the as the co-host. So I'm, I'm super excited about that and, of course, extremely grateful, and I'm very glad to be here. So uh, it's uh, it's Christmas time, Josh. Um, I guess it's about time to to stop working on the Jeep and uh, focus on family things, or or just not. Uh, working only on if the it Jeep. were only that easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it, it's a disease. It's it's an addiction. It's <laughs> some might even say it's a problem. <laughs> I don't know. I just I can't leave my Cherokee alone. I, I I tell you what. I had that same problem when I was fourteen, but it wasn't my Cherokee. Oh, <laughs> oh, hilarious! <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got too many hobbies, Tony. Um, I'm not going to get into them all, but I've got a um, I've got a street bike that I haven't ridden in in two years. A motorcycle I haven't ridden in two years, and um, and it's it's completely neglected because I cannot leave my Jeep alone, and it's it's. I mean, it's a damn shame in, in one sense regard, but in, in the other hand, you know, I've, I've got a lot to show for it and I'm, and I'm kind of proud as far as where my Cherokee is, is right now today and where it, you know, how far it's come. And, uh, you know, it's all pretty much at the, at my hands. So, you know, I can't complain too much. 
Well, if mine doesn't uh, if mine doesn't start running cooler soon, I'm I'm gonna buy something else. I've about had it. That's that's a shame. I know you've been you've been battling this this heat issue for geez, what seems like forever. Yeah, well, I mean, we haven't done anything uh, as a family because uh, in several years because of it running hot on the highway, and uh, it's just uh, you know it, <laughs> I don't know what else to do to it other than uh, put a jet engine in the front of it just to to run some air through the uh, through the radiator. Well, I know that that you have talked at length about everything that you've done and all the troubleshooting that you've done, everything you've gone through with that. I know you've posted up pages and pages and pages of threads up on uh, xjtalk.com about this subject. And I, I just, it seems like all the bases have been covered. I, I don't understand how it's, it, it's still a problem. And I'm not saying that you're doing anything wrong or that you've overlooked something. I think it's just one of those gremlins that, that is, it's so hidden that it's, um, and it might be one of those things that it's hiding in plain sight, who knows? You know, obviously, I'm just going to be speculating as to what the problem is. But, you know, bottom line is I hope it gets worked out and hope it gets worked out soon for you. Yeah, it will, one way or another. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, too, I want to mention uh, the uh, the viewers we have in the uh, chat room uh, on Ustream and uh, either on xjtalk.com or directly on uh, on Ustream. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, glad you were able to join us here tonight. And uh, hopefully you won't mind all the, uh, the bitching and moaning. Looks like we've got um, uh, Cats, our uh, moderator, and uh, four viewers. So, uh, no, well, actually three, because it uh, looks like the Super Croc's in there twice. <laughs> <laughs> Double logging in. Okay, buddy, I see how you're doing. <laughs> yeah. This is how Obama got elected. Come on. <laughs> We're always stuffing the ballots, guys. <laughs> Well, I know last week we had uh, we had several guests that came in, uh, and uh, I know that not everybody has a UStream account that they log into, so that it shows up their name and everything. But thank you to all of our visitors that show up. Please spread the word. We'd love to have a big audience and and keep that listenership and viewership with this live show growing every week. Yeah, and that <clears throat> if you're if you're on the xjtalk.com site watching uh, the show and chatting from from that chat um, interface, you'll probably be a guest there. Uh, if you want to log in and actually have your name shown uh, in the chat room, what you'd need to do is go over to the Ustream slash channel slash XJTalk. And then uh, if you don't have an account with Ustream, sign up. You may be able to use your Facebook uh, account to log in, and uh, it may display your your Facebook name. I don't know. I've never done it that way. So uh, I do know that if you have a Ustream account, it will uh, display your name. So uh, I know we had a question about that before the show started, and uh, I believe that is the answer. But you you do need to go over to ustream.tv to to get get your name to show up. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not I'm not a huge social media user. Um, I mean, call me a fuddy duddy, call me behind the times. I'm not even really all that old. I don't know what my problem is. But I don't have a Facebook account. Never got into MySpace. Uh, I've certainly have never used Twitter. Uh, I suppose one of these days I need to get up off my butt and, and uh, do something about that. But it's just not high priority, you know. Well, I've mentioned this before. I really enjoy uh, doing some minor interactions with uh, uh, various celebrities. Um, I, oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I don't know you, if it's because some... I don't know if it's because I live here in Houston and you don't really get much chance, to, much opportunity to uh, uh, 
uh, see celebrities or certainly interact with them. So I, I, I get to mess with them online. And um, um, I don't know if, uh, if I mentioned this before, like last show, but uh, I've been uh, chatting back and forth with uh, uh, Kristen uh, Johnston uh, of Third Rock fame and now on the X's. Oh, yeah. And uh, she's crazy. She goes by uh, K. Joe Smartass on uh, Twitter. So smart ass. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, her and I getting along was, uh, probably, uh, uh a foregone cl- conclusion. <laughs> so I've been having fun messing with her and, uh, listening to her book. She had a, uh, had wrote a book, came out in March, I think called guts. And, uh, it was, uh, I got it on audio cause I wasn't gonna, I don't like reading. I go to sleep if I read. So I got the audio book and it was actually her reading the book. It was very, very entertaining and uh, very dark and sad. Interesting. Cause, uh, you know, her on-screen personalities cert- certainly don't reflect dark and sad, but you know, that's just uh character acting, I suppose. I think it's pretty much her. I think she's, uh, I think she's that way. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, the pill addiction she had, uh, for a number of years, pill and alcohol addiction, I uh, really did a number on her, but, uh, I highly recommend the book. It's uh, very good. And, uh, like I said, the, the audio book was, I mean, it was horrible, just the stuff that she went through and, 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 uh, so on and so forth, but it was really, really funny. It was really enjoyable, but you, you come away from it, or, or at least I did, uh, came away from it feeling kind of, uh, sad that, uh, I was being entertained by her during this time that she was having such a hard time in her life felt bad because, uh, um, you know, you, it's not, not that she's a monkey, but you're watching the dancing monkey and then you find out that it gets beat when it gets, gets put back in the cage. Well, you enjoyed watching the monkey, but now, now that you know what's going on with the monkey, you may not be so inclined to enjoy it, but, but thankfully she's sober now. And, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, seeing some episodes of the exes. I just, I think she's really funny. She's just, has a, I like that self-deprecating humor. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something to be said about somebody who can, uh, you know, sort of take jabs at themselves and, and make light of it and actually make it funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, let's go back to the, uh, to the, the, the reason we're here. Jeeps. What, yeah. uh, what happened with your Jeep, man? Okay. So, uh, let's see. What was this? This was, uh, Thursday, Thursday morning. Uh, oh, let me, t- let me backtrack just slightly. Sorry. Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, I get in, the, get in my Jeep. And we've had a little bit of a cold snap here. Nothing sub-zero temperatures, but it's definitely starting to to show signs of it being winter here. So the mornings are getting colder and colder. So Wednesday morning was, I think, one of the coldest coldest mornings we've had since the season change. And um, I started up the Jeep, and it was, it was parked outside. But I don't have the Jeep in the garage right now. Um, it was parked outside. So I started up the Jeep, and there was this, there was this kind of a whine, this, this noise that I, I hadn't heard before. And I was like, you know, well, that's odd. And by the time I, I, I got to really, you know, listening for it and, and trying to figure out what it was, it slowly went away. I was like, okay, well, it must just be, you know, the, the oil's a little thicker than normal because it's colder than normal. Maybe it was something, you know, just temperature related, you know, cold belt, what, you know, whatever. It went away relatively quick. So I really didn't give it much of a second thought. Thursday morning. I get up, I get, uh, get in the Jeep to go to work. I start it up and same thing. I get this whine, except this time it didn't go away. Not until the Jeep got up to about operating temperature. So 
the whole the whole trip as I'm going into work, um, I'm you know I'm thinking, well, you know, okay, what the hell's going on? What could this be? You know, it wasn't a uh, a metal on metal grinding noise, and it wasn't a you know, okay, I'm low on on some sort of fluid or another kind of wine. It was it was something else, and it wasn't like a, a belt slipping kind of wine either. It was it was more like a drone almost. And so I you know I'm trying to deduce what it is. So I, by the time I get on the freeway, I'm a couple miles down the freeway. Um, engine uh, check in or check gauges light comes on my dash. I'm like, what the hell? I look over, zero voltage. Uh, and uh, okay. so I'm like, oh crap! It's the alternator. God damn it! So I, 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 you know, I quickly start shutting everything. No, no heater, no stereo. You know, turn everything else off that I can. You know, minus the lights. It was still dark, of course. So, I, uh, I immediately, you know, start heading back the opposite way, heading back home because the last thing I want to do is get stranded on the freeway. And so I, uh, you know, I call into work really quick and say, hey, you know, I'm going to be having some car issues. I'm, I'm probably not going to make it in today. And um, and I limp it home. I'm luckily I've got that that yellow top Optima battery in there, and so I I had plenty of juice to to you know make it home because the alternator wasn't you know I wasn't running on the alternator I was running on the battery at that point. So um, I get home, I pull the Jeep in the garage, um, and um, instantly start you know doing some research as far as okay I need to figure out you know alternators, you know, cost, availability, et cetera. And I'm thinking, well, why do I want to do an OEM swap? I want to upgrade. I've got a winch that's been sitting in the garage for a while. It's going to be going on sooner or later. I want to have some more amperage to be running that. I do have, a, you know, um, two sets of off-road lights, a set of fog lights. I've got an upgraded stereo system. Uh, you know, I, I need to be pushing more amps into the system than, than the, you know, 80 or 90 stock amps that are coming out of the OEM XJ alternator. So um, I knew... I knew from previous research that some of the guys had done Grand Cherokee alternator swaps, but I just knew that it was possible. I didn't really know much more about it than that. So I, um, and this is, you know, this is six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, you know, part stores aren't open yet. Obviously the junkyards aren't open yet. So I've got a couple hours to kill before anything is open. So I start doing a bunch of research, figure out, okay, you know, from what I've read so far off of a couple dozen different posts and threads and websites and whatnot, that what I'm looking for is a, you know, 97, 98 or so um, Grand Cherokee alternator uh, or a Durango alternator would also work. Okay. I knew that I also didn't really want to go to a junkyard because I didn't want to be wrenching any more than I, than I really had to. So, and I also, I really like the idea of having a warranty for something like that. So I'm going to be buying new, no problem. And I, I, mean, I know I could have gone to a junkyard, spent more time and saved a whole bunch of money, but that's, that's not really the route I wanted to go with this. So, um, uh, after you know, long story short, I, I tracked down the the cheaper the cheaper alternator um, for you know out of that vehicle for that vehicle um, that had a lifetime warranty. I ended up having uh, from Napa, and it was a it was a '97 Grand Cherokee alternator, um, brand spanking new. It was about uh, let's see here, uh, $159 um, uh, with a lifetime warranty, 136 amps. So that's a good size jump from from what I was previously running. So after the, uh, the park stores opened up, I, um, I went down there and, and grabbed that. And I also did some other running around it. From Napa, I also grabbed a bunch of uh, ring terminals and uh, some heat shrink tubing. And I went to my local car stereo store and picked up uh, some four gauge wire and, um, and a, a big heavy duty A&L style fuse and fuse holder. Um, because I, from my research, I had determined that 
when you step up this kind of uh, step up of, of amperage with an alternator, you're feeding your system, you need to also protect your system from any kind of spikes or anything. I also found out uh, early that the previous owner had bypassed the fusible link going to the power distribution center, the commonly known <laughs> as the PDC. Wonderful. So, yeah. Winner. Great. Thanks. Um, so I, this ANL fuse is going to come in handy anyways. Uh, so I, I spent about, you know, I don't know, like 200, 250, something like that. I don't have the exact figure in front of me right now, but um, I mean, after all the wire I purchased, after all of the, the ring terminals and everything, I was upgrading the wiring at the same time because uh, I knew that, I, you know, feeding that much current to the system, the factory wiring, although may be able to handle it, you know, you, you really want to, to get the most out of, you know, out of a new alternator and you're stepping up like that, making that kind of an upgrade, you want to have some bigger cables in there. And so I... Um, I, I was I made the uh, determination that well since I'm doing this you know I'm gonna I'm gonna make my own cables it's no big deal I've got plenty of experience in this field so I you know this, I can do this in my sleep so I you know I called up a few few different places and tracked down one of the local audio shops that's in my area that had the uh, cable for relatively cheap and so I picked up uh, the necessary the necessary footage that I needed um, for this project. So I get back to the house and I and I start work. Um, I'm going to say it was about 10, 10 30, 11 o'clock, give or take. I didn't get done until midnight. Uh, you know, this is a, about a 15 hour project from from the time I I got done the re, doing the research to the time I did my test drive. After everything was all said and done, 15 hours for this damn project. Nothing went right. Uh, so. After I um, after I get back with all my supplies and I start um, I start tearing into things, uh, you know the the first phase of it all went relatively easy. Pulled out the battery, pulled out the battery tray. I needed a, a little bit extra room to work, so the battery tray came out. Um, got the old alternator out, um, got it set up on the bench next to the new one, and lo and behold, they're a little different. I knew that they were <laughs> going to be different in size. I knew right. the mounting locations were the same, but they were different in the plugs right. in the back. Yeah. So I found out that um, a little bit too late that the 90, they changed the plugs. The, there's the main, the main output of the alternator. It's basically just a single wire that goes up to your battery or the power distribution center or whatever. Um, that's always just a single post. And you know, you've got a larger gauge cable that is hooked up to that. And then you've got two other wires that hook up to that. And I think one is a um, is a voltage sense, and the other one is like a um, is something like a sending unit or further further regulator or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly what the two wires are for, but um, in '99 they changed how those two wires connect to the alternator. In '99, it's a it's an actual plug. On everything before '99, it's two posts, and I had a '97 alternator sitting there. And I pulled out, out of my 99, a, obviously a 99. So here I've got this little, you know, sealed plug. And then I've got these two posts. And I, I you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't have the means anymore to make another trip to the store because, um, you know, my girl had taken off for work. So I'm, I'm sitting here basically stranded at the house. And I had no option but to move forward. So, I mean, luckily I've got enough electrical background experience. I, um, I pulled the, the back halves of the alternator off and I start tracing, tracing the, the circuit paths of these two leads on the both alternators 
and started making comparisons. And, you know, I'm using my multimeter and I'm taking notes and taking measurements and reading and all this stuff. And, and I find out, okay, this post does this on this one. And this post does that on this one. So, you know, I, I matched things up and I was able to essentially hardwire it in. I cut off the plug that's on, on the Cherokee side, um, put a couple of ring terminals on that and hook those up the posts um, in the appropriate positions on the newer alternator. Granted, it, it wasn't an ideal solution, but that's how it would have been hooked up on a pre-99. So at least it's hooked up right. It's just not a plug-and-play. I need some modifications as well. I just didn't know how much. So I had to do a lot of grinding on not only the bracket, but I ended up having to grind on the, um, the block side as well. Where the uh, where the bracket mounts to, there's two flanges where it pops out a little bit for the the threaded holes for the studs that the front bracket mounts to. I had to grind those down. I had to grind the bracket down. A lot of grinding back and forth, test grind, test fit, grind, et cetera, et cetera, and finally got it to fit. But it wasn't until after I I realized that I not only have to now mount the bracket to the alternator in order to get this thing into the right position into the Jeep to where I can start mounting it, but I had to remove the coolant reservoir bottle just to get to that point. <laughs> There's a lot of back and forth. There was one step forward and two steps back the entire night. Yeah. And with the cables, everything, and and um, that, that part of it, I did a lot of wiring cleanup as, as well, which probably added a good couple hours to the whole job. But the end result is, one, the entire you know, string of all this extra cable. I mean, I've got, you know, battery feeds for two different, three different sets of lights, um, an auxiliary switch, um, an alarm, an amplifier. I mean, I, a ton of stuff. I've got a ton of stuff coming off my battery. So, and, you know, not to mention the lack of a fusible link that I had to obviously engineer and reinstall into the, into the Jeep. But I cleaned everything up and it looks a lot better now. Not to mention, for the first time since I've owned the Jeep, it's reading 14 amps on the uh, on the on the gauge in the dash. So I, I couldn't be happier. But it took me all freaking day and and half the freaking night to get the damn thing in there. But it's in, and uh, and I've, I made an upgrade to boot, you know, a couple upgrades. So you know I'm happy with it. Well, good. I mean, at least now that it's done, it's done, and you've got the uh, the additional uh, reservoir, so to speak, of uh, of current available. All right, guys, listen up. If you're doing any shopping online this year, you're doing any of your holiday shopping online, tell you what, any of your online purchases from this point forward need to be going to Amazon.com. But before you go anywhere, make sure you're stopping off at XJTalk.com. We got a banner right there in the middle of the homepage, right above the big picture. You click on that, it takes you straight to Amazon.com, where any of the purchases you make, from Barbie dolls to Jeep parts, it doesn't matter at all. A little bit of each purchase is going to go to help out the XJ Talk Show and XJTalk.com. It's not going to cost you a dime more, not a penny, but you're helping out your favorite website and your favorite podcast, and this will help get you on Santa's nice list. So remember, go to XJTalk.com before you buy anything online. Do it through Amazon.com and help us out. You don't have to be a member, it doesn't cost you a thing, and anybody can do it. So make sure you spread the word. Thanks again, and happy shopping. Hey, good evening. This is Mike Corey. Amateur Radio call sign KI1U. I am the Emergency Preparedness Manager at the American Radio Relay League in Newington, Connecticut, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. Hey, uh, uh, Brass Cats has called in, so uh, let's take a moment and uh, chat with him. Somebody's calling. Somebody answer the damn phone. 
It's an XJ Talk live phone call. Hey, Braz, are you there? Hey, how's it going? Hey, man, say hello to Josh. Hey, Josh, what's up? Hey, man, glad you called in. What's going on? Oh, not too much. So, uh, you have, do you have any fun uh, Jeep uh, stories to uh, add into this, uh, Braz? I can tell my, uh, my motor mount story, although it's not nearly as titillating as some of the other stories that have been going on. Hey, man, everybody's got a sad Jeep story. you gotta, you got to share one. <laughs> All right, well, we uh, actually, Patrick came over to my house, and I had been talking to him about how my, my Jeep, whenever I came to a stop, there was always a little bit of a, a weight shift and a pretty good clunk, and it, I could feel some binding, and it felt like the transmission was binding a little bit, and I'd have to pop it into neutral every time that I came to a stop. And I knew it was the motor mount. I just I didn't want to look. I, I was, it was along the same lines of if, if you don't see it, you don't have it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like when you're sick. You, if you don't go to the doctor and get the diagnosis, you don't have it. So I actually, uh, he took a look real quick. He says, yeah, your driver's side's pretty shot. And I was oh, hell, okay, I got to look. So I took a look, and, uh, yeah, it was pretty much gone. So I did uh, a little bit of research and looked around, and I finally settled on uh, Iron Man Andy's motor mounts and uh, got them ordered up, and I was just kind of playing, playing around and saying, hey, do these babies come in red? And he's like, well, sure, give me a, <laughs> me a call Monday morning, and I'll shoot them in red for you. So I couldn't have been happier about that. He's a good guy. I got those things in. Uh we, uh, gosh, I had Timmy, Timmy text Jay. He came over and he helped me out. What we thought was going to be about a two hour job ended up being about mm, close to a nine hour job trying to oh, get the, oh. uh, the motor twisted the right way. I mean, there was, there was about a centimeter of room between my power steering pump pulley and the radiator. It was, it was that far off. My goodness. So we, uh, <laughs> We had the jack up underneath the oil pan with the two by four, of course, and uh, we tried all this other stuff. Uh, we tried some some pry bars and couldn't quite get it. We had another jack up underneath the uh, transmission pan, trying to help that out over there. We actually ended up having to take off the cross member and flip the uh, transmission mount around. <clears throat> Excuse me, because those uh, the four bolts on the tranny mount are offset; they're not perfectly centered. So we actually had to turn the whole tranny mount around. And I actually got out a third jack and took a jack handle and used it as like a makeshift bottle jack and put it up underneath the block and had to jack it up very dangerously but very carefully to, in order to get the motor to twist enough to get the mounts in correctly. Now, the biggest problem that we had, we started on the passenger side thinking that was the harder side, but we probably spent more time on the driver's side because of one little thing. The little bracket, the fork where the mount goes into it, has a little a little lip on the inside. We finally figured this part out, and I ended up having to trim uh, just a few millimeters off of the uh, off the poly in order to get the mount to fit all the way in there to get the bolt through the hole. So that that's the uh, that's the shortened version. So how how does it drive now? I'm sorry, I can't hear you, buddy. I was asking, how, how does it drive now? Is all that work, was all that work worth it? <laughs> it, it was. Um, the, uh, the weight shift went away, but now it's kind of come back. And I'm pretty darn sure it's not the motor mounts, because those are some pretty heavy-duty motor mounts right there. 
Um, actually, what I did today, I got up underneath there and I looked at the nuts that came with the motor mounts. Uh, they're just, just regular nuts that, that go onto the bolt studs. But the ones that came off of it, it's like that, that nut washer combo. So it has more surface area to hold uh, the mount down to the bracket. Right. So I actually went and I got the old nut and put those on to get more surface area. I'm thinking maybe, maybe that had something to do with it. Now, that tranny mount's pretty new. Uh, Big Jim and I put that in probably about a year ago. But I was thinking with how off my motor was and having it twisted the other way around, maybe that's worn out as well. That was a, it was a cheap motor mount. It was only like a $20 mount. Yeah, I was kind of thinking you may the the transmission mount may be giving you uh, giving you fits now, and you may have damaged it um, with the uh, with the other motor mounts. Well, it's good uh, good that you got it uh, together and uh, went through all that trouble. And uh, um, I'm just hoping your that that weight shift will will stop soon. I know mine did that uh, when I had a, a bad motor mount. So that's a a very common thing with our our tor- Torquey 4.0s. Yeah, and it's all. Always that driver side, I think, is the one that, that ends up taking the brunt. Just that, that's you know when you get on the uh, get on the gas, that's the side the engine wants to go to first. I know when I pulled out my motor mounts, I did a motor mount uh, swap earlier this year. I pulled out one of them, and and I'm pretty sure it was the driver side, and it was disintegrated. I mean, I, there was literally probably 30% of the of the rubber that's supposed to be there actually still in the mount. I think the only thing that was really holding it together was the fact that the, the steel plate that goes over the top of it to hold that rubber in was still there. And, uh, I mean, I was getting, I was getting a lot of motor movement. I didn't feel that weight shift. It was just every time I started the Jeep, I heard the engine damn bounce against the hood. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good thing. No. <laughs> Especially when it gets into the radiator. Yeah, really? Well, it sounds like Braz, uh, dang, you're putting his, uh, his power steering pump into the radiator. That's, that's a lot of movement. And having to get three, what, three, four jacks and flipping the transmission mount just to get that thing to fit right, I can't imagine how far off that must have been. And yeah, that, that transmission mount must have, with all that movement, taken a really bad toll. Yeah, I bet you it wouldn't be a bad idea to change the transmission mount again. And should yeah. be should be easier to do now. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Uh, one thing I did notice, though, with the, the motor mounts in there, my top heater hose is kind of rubbing on my hood a little bit. Uh oh, yeah. So, you, it's really not too bad, but I, I think if I remember correctly, the the Iron Man motor mounts are I think I want to say like a quarter inch higher than stock. I want to say. Yeah, I think well, you're I right. Say, I think uh, I think Iron Man. They I know they sell one a uh, set that it, that uh, mounts the engine an inch higher, um, and I think the other ones I, I didn't know if they were if they were dead nuts on or if they were a little bit higher. But yeah, that's something you want to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, those uh, I, I couldn't be happier with those Iron Man mounts. I mean, they're, they're just they're amazing. They're awesome. Yeah, Andy builds some uh, some badass stuff, uh, mm-hmm. and and just so I'm sure everybody knows, uh, he, he's a, a vendor on XJTalk.com. But uh, it's uh, Iron Man Four by Four Fab.com, and uh, the guy that uh, builds all that stuff, uh, his name is Andy. Great guy, great customer service, and uh, he'll hook you up on stuff. Uh, and uh, by the way, Brass uh, Brass Cats is uh, our moderator here in the uh, UStream live chat, so don't piss him off. Hey, Brass, thanks for uh, giving us a call tonight, and uh, you, you want to give anybody a shout-out before we uh, uh, get rid of you? Yeah, no 
in particular, I'll just uh, I'll say hello to everybody because uh, I don't want somebody getting pissed off. I didn't say hey to them. Well, you're a moderator, so you can uh, take it out on them if they get do get pissed off. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I didn't need to see who some of these Ustreamer three nine six whatever people are. <laughs> well, they'll get logged in pretty soon. Uh, it's a little confusing <laughs> the way we the, a little confusing the way we have it. So it might be uh, it might be uh, they may be getting logged in sooner sooner than later. Anyway, thanks there a lot for go. calling tonight, and uh, we'll catch you again. Sure. Thanks for having me. All right, great. Uh, thanks again for calling in. And um, so anyway, Josh, I guess it's my turn to whine and complain. Well, yeah, as you kind of hinted earlier before I, I sort of took the reins and ran with it, uh, that you've been, you, oh, I know you've had that, that uh, it's dirt bound off road, that three fan setup uh, with the shroud and, and, and everything. And, uh, and it comes as a kit and you went to go put that in because you've been having these, these heating, uh, these overheating issues. So how, how did all that go? Well, I want to be real clear. Um, I did not get the fans because I thought it would cure my running hot problem. Obviously, uh, you get up 40 miles an hour or, or better, uh, and you don't need any fans. At least that's what everybody says. I, th- I think you still need something, but more than anything else, probably just, well, let me, let me walk that back. If you, were, if you removed all the blockage, all the fans, anything behind the, the radiator, and just uh, from a cold start, got up to 40, 50 miles an hour, you probably wouldn't need anything. But I think that um, that when you have a fan that's not turning, it has a tendency to block the airflow through the radiator. And uh, I think that a turning fan helps uh, helps the airflow. Anyway, that's that's the way I'm looking at it. So uh, I did not get the, the dirt-bound off-road uh, three electric fans set up to cure any kind of uh, uh, running hot problem at at speed, so to speak, or highway speeds. Uh, I I got it because, uh, well, I thought it'd be nice to have um, uh, the extra horsepower. I thought it'd be nice to have the extra gas mileage. And uh, I thought it'd be nice to have a a setup similar to uh, what you'd see in a buggy or, uh, you know, a true off-road device. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I was very uh, interested because uh, he had a a shroud that he uh, laser cuts there at his facility. And uh, I thought, you know, if you want good cooling, uh, you really need a, a, a shroud so that it will make sure that you're pulling the air uh, through the radiator and not from the sides or below or top, etc. So anyway, I got this, uh, got this kit, and uh, I will say that it is not a complete kit. Now, this is just my opinion, but whenever I, I order something as a, as a kit and I get something pre-wired and I get this, that, and the other... I expect to have all the items necessary to put it together with the possible exception of maybe some wire. You know, if, if you're going to be running wired from point A to point B, but I would like uh, either have the items in the kit or have it listed in the documentation that these are the additional items that you will need or may need instead of having to go over things several times and then try to figure out what additional things you might need. Well, it makes sense. So, um, and, and I think that, uh, I think uh, Max, uh, the gentleman there at Dirtbound, Dirtbound Off-Road, will probably get to this. He just needs feedback, and that's one of the things that I'm doing on xjtalk.com and the post that I made on this, um, is uh, giving that feedback. Like, for example, there, whenever you go to mount the, the relays to the firewall, 
uh, I wasn't really clear what side he was mounting them on. I, you know, of course, you can mount them wherever you like, but uh, he's done it. I haven't. So uh, I was able to uh, determine after doing some looking that it was uh, they were being mounted on the driver's side of the firewall, so the opposite side from where the battery and the power distribution unit is. So that's when it became clear to me that I was going to, going to need uh, some uh, like uh, 12-gauge wire to run from the, the pre-wired um, harness that he uh, sent with it to get it back over to the battery. Mm-hmm. And also, too, it, it was, it's clear on the diagram, it shows that, that it should be a fused link from both those relays. And, and, of course, it should be, but it should be a fused link. Well, there was no fuses, and there was no fuse holders. Oh, boy. So, to me, that that either needs to be listed. And, you know, maybe I missed it in the documentation. I don't think so. Um, so, that needs to be listed. And, basically, I got up Saturday thinking, all right, I don't really want to mess with this, but this thing's been sitting there forever. <laughs> Let me go go install it. And then I went, well do I have everything I need? So I spent the next hour, you know, mixture of watching television, drinking some coffee and going over the, the documentation, both the, the, the printed documentation and what I could find online on the dirtbound off-road site. And it, it became fairly clear fairly quickly that I was going to need wire. I was going to need fuses uh, I was going to have to figure out what fuses I needed. And in fact, that included an email to you asking you what you thought the, the fuses should be um, for uh, the, the, because the one relay controls two fans uh, and then one relay controls one fan. And the amperage is about nine amps per fan. And I don't know if that's running or start. Uh, I, I was thinking it was running, uh, the running current. Anyway, so. I made a list, and it wasn't a long list, but it was something that I was going to have to go buy, uh, plan, go and buy, come back, and then install. So actually, I did a pretty good job. I was able to get uh, everything that I needed. I went over to O'Reilly's and and picked up everything I needed, including uh, nylon tie wraps, which uh, I wouldn't expect him to supply those. Um, Well, I guess that you could. Some kits do. Uh, that would have been nice, but you have to have a, it depends on which way you go. If you run your wires straight back across, uh, like, uh, in that little channel where the, the radiator is, or the radiator and condenser are, then you don't need, uh, you know, four or five feet of wire. If you do like I did, I actually ran it, uh, from like where the ECU is all the way around the firewall, made a big U basically. And oh, then, okay. I see and, what you did. And then back down to the to the battery side, and mm-hmm. and then I tie wrap it along the uh, whatever you call that plastic automo- auto- automotive plastic stuff that uh, oh, split loom. Yeah. Okay. Good. I was going to call it the conduit, but yeah, split loom. I, th- I think that is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I had a lot of wires there anyway, so I figured I'd just run it along there. So I picked up um, two twelve foot lengths of twelve gauge wire. Uh, black and red, and uh, I picked up, uh, I had some screws that I could use to uh, mount the uh, fuses to the firewall because no, the, the screws needed for that didn't come with it. And uh, then uh, I, I thought I was actually going to have to go back to the auto parts place when I realized that the 
um, sensor that uh, I purchased in addition, uh, add-on, I guess you'd say, to this kit, um, you have to cut the upper uh, heater hose in half and then insert the sensor so it gets the, the water temperature so it, it can tell when the fan, what how many fans need to be on and so on and so forth. So uh, I split that thing and I went, hose clamps. <laughs> I didn't remember hose clamps. But uh, I had found a bag, and this is kind of an interesting thing. I don't know if you guys uh, hang out uh, at Lowe's or Home Depot much, just kind of looking at the stuff they have. But I was at Lowe's one day, and I found a bag of stainless steel hose clamps uh, in their plumbing section. And it was a bag of about 20 of these things for like four or five bucks. Is it all one size or is this uh, like a multi-pack? No, no, all one size. It's just like a, uh, a very cheap plastic uh, bag. You know, it, it, it screamed cheap except for the, 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 the uh, actual um, hose clamps themselves. Very nice. And uh, so I went, oh, you know, oh, that's right. I got that bag of something here. Dig, 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 dig. And I, wouldn't, I couldn't remember what size they were. So I, I found the bag and lo and behold, it was the exact size that I needed. So I put two brand new uh, stainless steel hose clamps. It was the, actually the first time I'd opened that bag and used any of them. So I put those on there and uh, man, I was set, had it all wired up, uh, tested stuff out with my uh, voltmeter, made sure that I had a switch 12 volt source going to that, uh, that sensor, yada, 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 started up the Jeep and uh, watching uh, the temperature climb on my uh, torque, um, application on my Android using my Bluetooth uh, OBD2 uh, scanner plugged into the uh, OBD2 port and it got up to 185 degrees which is when the first fan the single fan was supposed to come on and nothing now mind you I had tested the fans by uh, giving it a 12 volt uh, so, uh, signal to one of those uh, relays first one relay then the other to make sure the 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 fans would come on and and they worked fine whenever i manually uh forced them to come on so basically doing what the sensor was supposed to do anyway 185 nothing 190 nothing 195 200 210 i think it got up to around uh 212 or something and i and lo oh, i was so so satisfied a, a fan came on and then i thought wait a minute, it's only a fan. The fan, the single fan was supposed to come on at 185. It's 215. Are the, are the relays backwards? I mean, was it wired up, you know, wrong or something? I'm, uh, that, I that it was pre-wired, but I'm just wondering if the relays were, were backwards in it. I mean, because it sounds like that temperature unit was was telling uh, you know, whatever relays to kick on. It should have kicked on that first one uh, a lot sooner, but it, by the time it got up to the that max temp, you know, that 210 mark is when it kicked on just a one. I figured that would be when the, the two fan would come on. Am I right? Right. Well, that's kind of the problem. I mean, it, it did cross my mind that something wasn't wired up properly, but I was very uh, cautious about the way I tested and marked and etc. So anyway, I'll let it, uh, I'll let it keep going. It was, uh, it was still heating up. just not as fast now that a single fan was on. And, uh, uh, another 10, 15 degrees went by, and it was getting up close to 230. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, then the single fan shut off. Oh, no. 
<laughs> no, no, no. That that's definitely not what is supposed to happen. No, no. So the wiring, it wasn't an issue. Um, a, did a fuse pop? I mean, no, no. I, I I thought of that. I tested it. Both fans were working fine. If I if I injected a signal, uh, there was no way for me to test that sensor to, mm. to make sure it was working properly, other than running the engine and letting water run over the sensor and having it do its thing. So anyway, I, I, I said, you know, it's Sunday evening. Uh, I'm tired of messing with this. I do have a, a bypass that I was going to hook up uh, to this anyway. So I'm just going to not worry about this automated uh, aspect of it right now. I'll put both, uh, all three fans on a switch and mm-hmm. I'll just turn, turn them all on manually. And then uh, I, was, I was certain that it wasn't going to be too cold. Uh, because I didn't think that three electric fans would uh, would be uh, have more CFM than a, a mechanical fan with a Grand Cherokee heavy duty clutch and uh, a, a, a electric fan that's a couple of years old. So I didn't think it was going to be an issue anyway. So I, I wired it up as uh, best as I could, and uh, uh, I think what I got was an unintended circuit because it apparently was trying to pull the fan uh, current um, through the switch inside the cab, which really confuses me because that switch is not directly connected to anything except a relay. So uh, I still have some investigating to do, but it appears that it was uh, trying to, you know, pull 30 amps, 27 amps, through that 15 amp switch. So and that switch must have gotten kind of hot, I'm guessing, maybe it, even it got no, a little soft. It no deformed. longer it no longer switches. It's fixed in place. Oh jeez. Yeah, so it was pulling some heavy amperage through there. Yeah. Uh so anyway, um you know, I got lucky. It uh it, it didn't cause me a problem. The the fans continued to run. Um the the switch kind of like melted on. Okay. And uh, I was able to make it back uh, to the house. But uh, the, really the first inkling of, of issue I had was when it was running around 235. Uh, I pulled over because I thought I smelled the, the telltale signs or the telltale smell of, uh, of, of burnt uh, insulation. Ooh. And from the wiring and the, the electrical stuff that was, that was getting hot. And I pulled over quickly and I killed the engine, uh, oh. put the... Uh, Turn the the uh, not 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 to start, but you know, just turn the not the ACC, but the uh, run. I guess run position is where it was, and okay. got out, opened the hood. Fans were running, and I thought, "Hey, I don't know why they're running because I smell the smell, and nothing's on fire, nothing's glowing, so I'm gonna get this thing home." So yeah. I drove it home, and it, it and it alternated between. Uh, 2.30 and 2.35 uh, as I uh, came to stops and, and, and went. So basically, either the fans were not running at full RPM and getting full uh, CM, CFM th- through the radiator, which I do not think is the case. I, I do not think that, that the... I do not think there was a lack of current available to turn the fans. Uh, I think well, that doesn't, that doesn't sound. And I don't think that those are variable speed fans. Those are 
on and off. Fans. Exactly. And that's why they're they're wired up the way that they are with the one and the and the pair. Right. So uh, I didn't think that it was a situation that it was simply a matter of wiring, simply a matter of getting the proper size um, wire in there and uh, that it was going to work properly. So j- just for, for my own personal clarification here, at speed, driving speed, however fast you were going, with three electric fans going, you were still in that 230, 235 temperature range. Correct. <sighs> Were the fans blowing the wrong direction? No. Checked it. Made sure. Wow. And 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 my I was I was really impressed with how much air was being pulled to the front of that radiator. Uh, it was it was really neat. And also too, the way he had the had them wired up uh, was different than than I guess uh, the mindset that I had was, which you know we're we're used to the mechanical fan on the passenger side running all the time. And the electrical fan on the driver's side coming on when necessary. So for some reason, I figured the two fans that were that were the, the secondaries basically uh, would be to, would be side by side. Not so. They're on the ends. The one in the middle was the one that comes on first. And I thought beautiful. It's right in the middle of the radiator. That makes perfect sense. And then uh, as things uh, get up to two hundred and five degrees. The the other two fans kick in, and then you've got uh, edge-to-edge uh, air being sucked through there. I really thought it was going to work very well, and it just didn't work for me. Now, he says very clearly that this will not solve overheating issues. I knew going into it, it wasn't going to solve an overheating issue. However, I thought that if I could get more air being pulled uh, across the entire surface of the radiator, it might improve the efficiency of the cooling. And well, that's it, a seems like a right train of thought. I mean, you're you're going in the right direction with it. I figured that you know the result there would have been some kind of result. He's been better off with the fans not in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and just <laughs> I, I don't, not, not discounting his workmanship or or the product itself, but it it almost seems like they weren't. It was like the, as if they weren't even there. No, I mean, I mean, two hundred and thirty five degrees. That that's that's extremely hot. Uh, not for my Jeep. Uh, I don't normally. It doesn't normally get up there. But anyway. Uh, I, once I was standing there thinking about what I could do, it was like 6.30. I knew I needed to do this show. I knew I wanted to do something else other than work on the Jeep because uh, I did it yesterday and today. So I thought about it, thought about what, what would be entailed, and I realized uh, what I needed to do was just put everything back the way it was. So I took the fan out. I took the fans out, rather. Um, I put the... Uh, the bolts back in the uh, uh, where the uh, the mechanical fan goes. Took the the bolts that he provided out. Put the bolts that came in it back in there, so I could put the mechanical fan on. Put that on. Put the electrical fan in, and uh, buttoned it up and took it for a test drive. And uh, it will get up to 222 degrees, uh, and then the uh, electric fan kicks on, and it will drop down to around 217 to 213. And it will cycle back and forth like that as I'm driving it. Now, Tony, I know you live in a warmer climate than I do, but even 
even here during the summer months in the Northwest, we, you know, we see 90, 100 degree temperatures on occasion as well. Right. But my Jeep has never, I, I, I'd be surprised if it ever got up to 215. I, I've never seen it much past that 210 mark ever. Yep. Wheeling on the trail, dead of summer, rush hour traffic, stop and go on the freeway in a hundred degree temperature. It has never crept over 212. Well, I was able to get it where it was staying in the, the two, 210, 212 range uh, in, in idle stop and go traffic uh, on the trail in, in well over 95 degree temperatures, high humidity temperatures. And I did that with the, the uh, Cal induction scoop, a high flow uh, thermostat housing, and a water pump. Um, and, uh, I, I think I can do that again. However, it still had a problem on the highway it, and it would take about 12 miles for it to creep up and, and start running hot. And it would gradually increase, increase, increase over a period of however, you know, however long I went. So, um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I've had this issue. Uh, ever since it's been lifted. So that was before the bumper. That was before uh, the lights, the winch, uh, all those things. The only thing uh, it, the only thing different was the height above the ground and uh, the size and weight of the tires. So I know, yeah. I know I, people say to remove the stuff out from in front of the, the radiator, but, um, you know, I may try that just for grins. Uh, but I don't see it changing. So no, now, I mean, cause I know guys that, that are running, you know, 10, 12,000 pound winches on the front of their Jeeps with a couple of, uh, you know, like light force, eight inch lights and stuff. I mean, it's, you know, massive, massive, uh, surface area in front of the grill of the Jeep and they don't have overheating issues. Right. Now granted, okay. We live in a little bit cooler of a climate than you do, but, but still, you know, even on the trail in the summer, you know, I mean, I wheel with these guys on a regular basis. They, they don't, they're not blowing steam out of their hood. I'm not saying yours got to that point, but you're, it seems like you're really close to some serious overheating problems. Right. Well, you know, once it gets up around 2.30, you don't have to go much further, and then you get into a runaway situation because it starts mm-hmm. pushing the, uh, the fluid out into the overflow. The overflow mm-hmm. starts going to the ground. It gets hotter. It pushes more, et cetera, et cetera. And then it, it, then it jumps to 250 degrees on the, uh, on the display. So anyway, that's something that, uh, that I'm working on. I'll continue to work on. I'm just a little down on it right now because uh, I'm uh, just, you know, a little tired of the whole thing. And, hey, you know, it was really cool driving that Jeep with, uh, the, with the electric fans on because it was really it had a different sound to it. Uh, with, oh. with that with that Grand Cherokee heavy duty uh, fan clutch in there, it makes a lot of noise, and uh, not having that noise, it uh, it was a neat feel, a neat sound, a neat feel to to drive it like that. Okay, now speaking of feel, let's let's go to your um, your seat of the pants meter, and with that with that mechanical fan, that clutch, and that and that fan, not on the engine. Did you notice much of a difference? Could you feel much of a difference in acceleration or performance at all? No. Okay. I, I didn't notice any at all. We're probably talking negligible, negligible gains of, you know, a horsepower or two, 
maybe a tenth of a mile per gallon or something like that, maybe a few pounds of torque when all everything's all said and done? Uh, I don't think Matt was messing with me when he said uh, I potentially could have a 20-horsepower a 20 gain. Wow. No, you've got to feel 20 horsepower. I would, th- I would think would so. Feel. Yeah, I would think so too. I was, but you know, I was more watching the 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 temp than anything else. Uh, yeah, your focus was was on the numbers and the gauges more than anything else. Right. So, uh, and I felt I would have plenty of time to hot rod it. Um, little <laughs> little did I know. Now I will say this: um, I need to have. I'm still investigating uh, what damage was done. Uh, I don't know if the sensor uh, that uh, I have is uh, working properly. I don't know if it was working properly before, and I, I don't know if it's even working now because of, of some of the stuff that I saw that was shorted. So probably what I will have to do is uh, take that unit and wire it, wire it up into some uh, some hot water and then uh, put a volt meter and a 12-volt power supply to it and see where how it how it turns on and off and you know just see how it works because it was wired correctly. I, I tested stuff manually and uh, I made sure that I had uh, it's a three pin setup plus uh, goes to one pin and then you have uh, pins one and two. Uh, the only thing that I that I saw on there that I was kind of confused about was there's no ground. There's no ground on that unit. So that sensor is sitting over there with a 12-volt uh, voltage going to it, and then it has pins 1 and pin 2, which are 12-volt s- signals. Well, go- it's, it's basically like a switch, Tony. It, 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 you, one, one of those pins is an input, and then two of those pins is an output. And right. one, one, of those, one of those output pins is supposed to come on at, at you know, 200, and the other one's supposed to come on at you know, maybe 215 or whatever the, whatever the, the two different on um, settings are for that for that particular thing. It's basically just like a switch, like you know, for your lights or something. It just passes the signal in and disrupts it until it gets to the point of which it's supposed to turn on. Well, that's fine. If a mechanical switch has to have an individual flip it, so how does that switch flip? Well, it's like a thermostat. Uh, it's basically what it is. It's like a thermostat. So it's it's. And I, I without being able to without seeing it firsthand, I can't. I'm just guessing here of. Of how, but I mean, like uh, the thermostat in your, in your, you know, in your for your furnace in your house or something. The old ones were made with a clock spring, and as the the temperature changed, that clock spring is of a thin enough, sensitive enough um, metal material that the heat difference will cause that to turn. And there's a small micro switch that engages or disengages as that clock spring expands or contracts with the temperature change. Okay. Now other so thermostats, like so, with a, like fish tank or something like that, they're a sealed unit. I think they're like with mercury or something like that, and so right. as as the the um, the gases inside that sealed chamber heat or or cool, they they move that mercury up and down to engage or disengage different contact points. Okay, so yeah, if it's a mechanical switch, then then I can buy, you know, what you're saying as far as it not needing a a full circuit to operate, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just a supplied voltage, and that voltage is being passed based on uh, what temperature, and, and the thing. I was I I thought that I understood was is that at 185 one fan came on and at uh, 205 uh, all the fans were on. Now that may be wrong. It may be that at 185 one fan comes on at, at 205 uh, the one fan goes off and the two fans come on. Uh, of course the two fans didn't never came on uh, whenever I was doing the testing. But so 
there was no way for me to test that switch other than uh, running hot water through it. And uh, yeah, it sounds like you're going to have to uh, bring a car battery into the kitchen <laughs> with that sensor and cook a pot it, of water on the stove with your with the battery by its side. Well, actually, since it's just passing through, I could uh, I could use a nine volt battery. Uh, yeah, yeah, Cause, you could. Cause yeah, nine volt. I mean, just about any power source in your in your voltmeter. Will, right. Because uh, it's be a, to, if it's just a, a, a switch, it's going to pass whatever's through there, and it's not going to be actually if, using any any power whatsoever. If it's mechanical, so should be fairly easy to to test it out. So anyway, well, hey, real quick, from a customer service standpoint, um, Max, was it the the gentleman you've been dealing with at Dirtbound Off Road? Have have you? Well, it's Sunday. There's probably nobody there to to talk to, but. Um, I don't know if you've if you've reached out to them via email or, or anything yet as far as maybe getting some troubleshooting or some advice or any sort of customer service feedback as to what may be going on with this. Not yet. Of course, it, everything happened today, so I'll uh, I'll I'm not overly concerned uh, about it. the 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 biggest thing was the reason why I'm not overly concerned is the biggest thing that I found out from this was. These three electric fans do not allow me to drive my Jeep um, in a temper, in an acceptable temperature range. The mechanical electrical, uh, OEM mechanical electrical, do. Uh, it runs about 217, 215, 217, uh, driving the same, the same course, and it should have, should have been about the same temperature out, about 70 degrees. So, um, it doesn't really matter if I get that, that sensor working or not because the fans do not cool as well as the mechanical, the OEM uh, mechanical electrical. So I, at this point, I don't see any reason to go back to it. Yeah, that's a, that's a sad discovery. I mean, you think that something like that, especially the way that it looks, would be a performance item, that it would work as good if not better than OEM. Well, you know, he did all the CFM testing. Uh, it looks, it's a really clean installation. Uh, mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, the only problem is, is that I have an issue with um, my engine, Jeep, airflow, something. I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. And um, I, I don't think, I don't think that uh, those the, the dirtbound off-road fans were the cure for any any problems, but I, I at least wanted it to perform as well as the mechanical, electrical, and, uh, you know, if I could get the additional horsepower uh, and the additional gas mileage, hey, it's all, it's all, you know, it's gravy. But it did not, in my application, it did not perform as well as the factory stuff. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Tony, and I really hope... Um that that maybe there's there's something simple a faulty relay or or a temperature sensor or or maybe it was that the fans internally were were wired backwards or something i you know i i don't know but i i really i'd like to see this end up working out for you in the long run and uh and you know being able to see these fans installed in your rig and and working the way that they were you know intended or you know hope hope to well i haven't spoken to him yet but i have a a strong suspicion these will uh will wind up in Matt's jeep <laughs> oh okay <laughs> so so we may we may yet, yet see we may yet see them uh see them running someplace 
but uh, yeah, I, the fans run fine. Uh, they pull a lot of air through there. Uh, I was very impressed with it. I, I was very impressed with pretty much the whole thing. Uh, I know there was uh, some complaints on the, the surround being thin. And once you get the fans mounted to it, uh, it's very strong. It's very stiff. It's, it's well-designed. Uh, and I think that if you have a Jeep that runs normal temperatures, um, that you would have uh, a better, you were, would be more likely in not having the issue that I'm having. Well, but, I don't know if I can, uh, this is a good point to segue a little bit, but speaking of temperatures, I, um, I went on a snow run this weekend, Tony. I uh, was, um, we had our, uh, through the North American XJ Association, had a Toys for Tots uh, toy drive as well as a Christmas tree run and we ended up on uh, on top of a local mountain and we found about a foot of snow and it was coming down with quarter sized snowflakes and it was absolutely awesome because I love snow I love driving in snow I love playing in snow and it was uh, it was really cool to get out and, and mess around in some of the white stuff with the uh, with the Jeep I'm gonna try and, uh, and show a picture here up through the webcam I don't know if this is gonna work or not um, but uh, oh, yeah, that's, that's a good picture there we go. There's the Jeep up on top of, uh, geez, and I'm, the name of the mountain is, is escaping my mind, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was great. We had, uh, it was about eight, eight or nine, eight or nine vehicles, uh, with us. And, um, we uh, managed to gather just over 50 toys for the toys for tots program. And uh, a couple of people, uh, got their permits to cut down some Christmas trees. We went up and played the snow for a few hours and cut down some Christmas trees. And it was, uh, it was a really good time. Had a blast and the Jeep performed really well. It was actually my first time snow with the front locker, the Spartan locker that I have in the Dana 30, uh, the first time with that, and the first time with these 33s that I have, which have performed great in the, in the mud, on the rocks, but I was very reluctant. I, I, was kinda, I didn't know how they were going to perform in the snow because uh, they're kind of hard. And going back in comparison to the Goodyear Wrangler Duratrax that I had, which are phenomenal snow tire. My God, those things are great. Um, they still didn't perform quite as well as those did, uh, but I was I was pleasantly surprised with how well these did. Excellent. I bet you running around in the snow is fun. You know, driving a Jeep off-road is a lot of fun. If I can ever get mine to run normal temperature, I'm, I'm going to do that again. I know, man. I, I hate to rub this in your face. And <laughs> no, not but at all. Yeah, I, was, I'm, glad, was... I'm glad somebody's having some fun with their Jeep. Uh, all I do is drive mine back and forth to work plus side is is that i drive back and forth to work uh, every day and as long as the temperature is uh, below 90 uh, you know 90 or below it, it does okay so um i don't know i'll figure it out yeah i had a uh one of actually uh, one of our um, xjtalk.com members awesome xj uh was uh he came out for the toy drive but his cherokee um he's got it uh he's got it apart for some mechanical reasons and he was not able to join us he had some other prior obligations to take care of later that day and uh, i had offered to, to give him a shotgun you know let, let him ride passenger seat co-pilot for a little while um but he had he had to turn down the invitation unfortunately uh, so I made sure I sent him plenty of pictures throughout the day <laughs> to rub it in his face too, because he wasn't out there uh, able to enjoy some of the snow with us and, and get his rig off road. But uh, it was, it was a good time. I had a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, um, you know, videos, pictures, uh, all kinds of stuff. I saw the one picture, but some videos would be fun too. Uh, although yeah. I don't want to break the bank on, uh, on uh, making you get all these electronics, but just, Kind of a, you know, a nudge, nudge as far as it, if, if you have the capability, we all, you know, we at xjtalk.com, we like to look. 
Well, I've got I've got three different write ups that I'm working on, and in, in fact, the uh, the whole alternator and cable upgrade is one that I'm that I'm working on right now, trying to get that finished up, and I'll have that posted up in my build thread soon, um, probably later tonight, and then I'll also do a a quick run and share some of those pictures um, with uh, from the from this last weekend. Because uh, I got I got some decent pics of that. I didn't get any video. I really wanted to to throw my arm out the window with the camera and and get some video, but it just it wasn't in the cards. Um, I really had to focus on on the driving and stuff because the kind of snow that was up there, and I mean, for you to live in Texas, you probably don't see a lot of the white stuff. But up here in the Northwest, we there there's different types of snow that we get, and it's kind of like a you know, somebody who's a connoisseur of cheese. Well, some people might think, oh, well, it's all cheese. Well, you know, these people can tell that, well, you know, there's 20,000 different kinds of cheese. Well, we in the, here in the Northwest, we get all kinds of different snow. And this snow was a very heavy packing, kind of a dry snow. It was colder up in the higher altitudes with a little bit less moisture. And so when the snow comes down, it comes down um, and, and it packs really heavy, which creates a really tight surface tension which is very slick. And so the trails were relatively skinny in, in a lot of the areas until we got up to the top of the mountain where it opened up and we, we had a big free-for-all in this clearing. But, um, but the, tr- the trails were, were pretty thin uh, or pretty skinny. And so I really had to focus on keeping the, the Jeep on track and, and on the trails. Otherwise, I really wanted to, to take some video. But it was kind of slick out there. Um, it was early in the season. So as the season uh, progresses a little bit more, the snow will get a little little deeper, a little heavier, and a little wetter. And uh, and I won't have to worry about things so much. Yeah, sometimes you have to be a passenger. There's just no two ways about it. So, But yeah, I mean, safety's first. So that if, if you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. So no big deal. Oh, what I need to do is just get one of those dash cams you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I wish mine would show up. The uh, the other yeah. the other stuff I... No, well, it's coming from China. So, uh, but the but the other stuff I uh, I ordered did come in. So I was kind of hoping it would come in uh, yesterday, but we'll see. Well, uh, Josh, let's wrap this thing up. It's uh, we need to get over to our uh, to our interview. Oh, so what is the interview uh, for this week? That is uh, Courtney Holland of uh, Ventura County Off Road Show, and uh, oh, he's got right. kind of a I think a unique way and a unique idea of. Uh, doing the off-road shows uh, where all the, the vendors come in and do little demonstrations, uh, allows uh, people to talk to the, the vendors, and uh, then they uh, kind of have a, multi, uh, a multi-arena a type setup where you can have uh, various uh, demonstrations uh, being set up and then one going on and then another one. But you'll hear more about that in the interview. Well, I forgot. I, I, uh, I took a quick peek at the, the pictures from the Ventura County Off-Road Show, and my goodness, Talk about an off-road show. I mean, everything from from uh, you know like tough trucks to to race buggies to truggies to these this crazy articulating hydraulic armed off-road crawler type thing. I don't even know what to call this thing. It is it is a feat of engineering and manufacturing wonder. And this thing is it was incredible. You guys got to go check it out. Do a quick Google Google search for Ventura Off-Road Show and uh, and go to their picture gallery. My goodness, there's some serious eye candy there for sure. Yeah, but I can't. And, I can't. And you'll hear in the interview, this was their first year. They they tried it uh, last year, uh, and they had some issues. So, uh, but I think it was mainly scheduling uh, around some other things going on in the area. So the, the what you're looking at was their their first year doing it. I I predict they're going to have some uh, 
some really big shows in their future. Well, yeah, I saw the uh, the 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 preview for 2013, kind of what they have on on the books, and it looks like it's it's going to be a huge event. So I can't wait to hear about that one as well. Yep, yep. All right, guys. Well, uh, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up and get over to the interview. Hey, this is Tim from Jeep Tubes, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. Hey, guys, we've got uh, Courtney Holland with Ventura County Off-Road Show, and it's really hard for me not to say country. I keep wanting to say Ventura Country, and I, I didn't do it. <laughs> anyway, Courtney's here with us tonight. He's going to tell us about uh, what Ventura uh, County Off-Road Show is all about. And, uh, uh, of course, we're going to start with a little bit about uh, him and how he got uh, involved in this uh, this endeavor. Courtney, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Tony, very much for having me. So give us a little background about who Courtney Holland is. I'm a 41-year-old avid off-road enthusiast. Um, I got involved with off-roading um, probably about 25 years ago. Some friends invited me to go ATC in Hungry Valley. Um, it was a warm afternoon, so I thought, well, I'll put on some shorts, and which was not the right attire. <laughs> After a couple of falls and some scratches and bruising, uh, I went out the following weekend and bought my first ATC. Wow. And and, uh, and some uh, pants, I guess. Yes, and some riding <laughs> pants. Um, but since then, it's been progressed from ATVs to ATCs to different types of ATVs, uh, dune buggies, four wheels, a couple of blazers, a Jeep in there, um, just about you know across the board with everything off-roading. Wow, it got into your blood pretty thick then, didn't it? It, 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 it courses through my veins ridiculously. <laughs> so uh, since this is a, a Jeep-type show, what kind of Jeep it was it? Uh, the first Jeep I had was a Cherokee. Oh, excellent. What year? It was a 90. Not a bad year. I like the 97 pluses, but, you know, I have a 98. That's the only Cherokee that I've, uh, or I should say the first Cherokee I had, and then later we got a 99, so... We've got both of those in the family right now. So, uh, but anyway, good choice. Uh, how did it do for you? It, it did okay. It was only two wheel drive. Oh um, my gosh! So it didn't do as much as I wanted. It it, it had a short life with me. Um, I got it, played with it for a few months, and then a friend introduced me to a Chevy Blazer, and that kind of got traded in for the Blazer. Sure. Do you, um, did you do mud in the in the Blazer? Oh, a lot of mud. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of mud, a lot of mud, a lot of mountain climbing. Um, a lot of, you know, it, it was, it was a great vehicle. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I enjoyed it more cause it was a, uh, 74 full top removal. Oh yeah. And those uh, were cool. That, that was definitely fun. But, um, after that it was, uh, into back into the ATCs and the ATVs. Um, and I, kind of continued on that but my next purchase is to get back into a Cherokee excellent well they certainly are cheap and uh, you don't feel so bad when you roll them <laughs> no that, that's 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 a constant reminder so 
Um, but yeah, I, I, every aspect of the off-roading is something I enjoy. It doesn't matter if it's rocks, dirt, sand, mud, snow, sleet. I, you know, it's just, it's something I love getting out and doing. It's really neat to be able to go someplace where uh, most people can't. And, uh, it's great to have a, a, a on-road capable vehicle that is also off-road capable because anytime that, uh, like that bad weather you mentioned, uh, you're not going to be stuck or if you are stuck, you're going to be stuck really bad. <laughs> yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Ventura Off-Road, uh, the Ventura County Off-Road Show. I keep wanting to say country. Oh, that's quite all right. We, I, I actually just say the Ventura Off-Road Show most of the time myself. I'm going to do that. Thank you. Uh, the Ventura Off-Road Show was brought to Ventura out of a need. We have a very large off-road community in Ventura County and Northern California. Um, the closest off-road trade show of its of this kind is about two and a half hours from south from me. Um, so for most people, it's 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 a drive and it's a day trip. Anyone north of me, it's three plus hours. So I looked at the area and I said, you know, we've got enough people to hear, and if we promote it right, I think we could uh, have a nice event. And you've had one event uh, so far, right? Yes, our first year was uh, 2012. Uh, it was the inaugural event, you might say. Um, I pretty much put everything together myself from planning, organizing, promoting, making sure I was out at every event from uh, Tierra del Sol puts on their uh, annual Desert Safari to King of the Hammers. Um, getting down to Glamis Sand Dunes, up to Pismo Beach, just about anywhere there was an event, I made sure that I was there talking to people about it. Wow, you put a lot of effort into this. So, well, um, yeah, it, it became a pet project, and then it became pretty much my entire life. Well, you know, I see, I see a problem here because you like doing off road stuff, and now it sounds like you're doing promotion more than you are going off road. That had to be a difficult choice for you. It, it is, but <laughs> it, it's it's kind of easy when when you have to promote in off road areas. It's kind of hard not to uh, do a little wheeling uh, and a little, little playing while you're out there. I see. It makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's the best of both worlds. I get to not only be in the environment I love, but I also get to talk to people about the show that I love. So last year, uh, or I'm sorry, this year you had uh, the first show, and uh, when was that? That was back in April. It was the 20th, 21st and 22nd of 2012. And uh, how many uh, how many people did you have? Uh, I mean, how many vendors did you have at that show? We had 70 vendors for our first show. Wow, that's uh, that's that's quite a quite a number of vendors. How many people did you have show up? Uh, just under 3,000 attendees. Man, excellent job for a first show. That sounds uh, very nice. Uh, do you uh, do you have any pictures of any of that up on your on your site? Yeah, if you go to our uh, under our homepage tab, you uh, click on the media. Actually, it's photo gallery, and it'll have all of our pictures from last year's show. Excellent. And uh, the website, guys, is Ventura County Off Road Show. So uh, we'll have it in the show notes. It'll be uh, easy to find that way. But it, it it is just as it as it sounds. Ventura County Off Road Show dot com. So. Um, 
what was what is it that you're trying to accomplish with this show? I mean, certainly you're trying to get people to come out, and you're trying to get vendors and and uh, and uh, the 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 people that buy things together. But how is this different than uh, any other show? We do because it's not an expo or a trade show. We do more showing. Um, we have throughout the day and throughout the weekend, we do more um, education, you might say. Um, we have different companies come out and do different demos from uh, BMW motorcycles. We'll actually be doing a uh, dual sport motorcycle demonstration that weekend. Um, we have a teeter-totter ramp so people can kind of get a, get get out and play on something that you don't normally see out at events. Um, we kind of, you know, we have other companies come in like, um, who was it last year? We had a um, Rubicon Trail Tours came down and actually did some winch demonstrations, uh, off-road recovery demonstrations, how to uh, properly use a high lift jack. Um, so we, we it's more of a educational aspects with with the focus in the off-road industry so this the show aspect of this would be more of let's let's show you how it, how it works let me show you how this feels let me show you how this how this operates type thing not sit <clears throat> excuse me not sit back and uh, and, and and be entertained uh, although i would think all those things would be entertaining but not something like a a show like you'd sit in a theater in the stands or something you you interact with uh, the vendors our, our, exactly that. Our show is, more, is an interactive event. Um, we actually pull people out of the crowd during these demonstrations and have them actually participate. You know, um, one of the companies we're open to have this year is uh, Badlands Off-Road Adventure that actually takes companies, um, small clubs, uh, organizations out, teaches them the basics of off-road um, awareness, uh, you know, how to proper approach angles, winch safety, uh, recovery. Um, me and Tom were on the phone about a week ago talking about having him come out and doing our winch recovery and off-road recovery class this year, where he actually will pull people out. And with a specific, we try and uh, get women involved. So his wife will actually be setting up for a winch recovery. She'll go into the crowd and Pull a couple of ladies in and say, hey, I want you to grab this winch cable, drag it over here, hook it up to this vehicle. And that way, kind of, it takes the men out of it to watch. And you you often, you hear that, you know, the chuckle out of oh, them. Yeah. But before you know it, you see their wives actually doing it. And then they start thinking, well, you know what? She can do a lot more than just sit in the, in the passenger seat. Exactly. So we, we, we try and change it up a little bit so it's not just guys getting the experience it's you know their wives their children getting them involved to see that this this really is a family sport yep well you know murphy's law often says that the the problem is going to happen when you're not there or when the wife is there or your daughter so it's always good i'm that way with my family uh, certainly my daughters uh they're not they're always eager eager to learn but they they probably not as willing to jump in because it's kind of not their role since they're girls and uh, I don't want that because everybody is capable. Uh, there's just some some strength differences uh, between us, uh, and that's uh, that's and certainly with a winch, you don't need that much strength, especially if you remember to unlatch the lock on the cable so you can pull the cable out. <laughs> and and a lot of times, you know, we met, we as men um, 
forget those things. And it's usually the wife that's sitting there saying, did you unlatch the cable? (laughs) Yes, dear. Oh, maybe not. (laughs) Honey, I got this. And then you walk over and you kind of mutter under your breath. "Uh, Well, maybe that she was right. But (laughs) that that way we get we get people involved. We get it's a fun time for everyone. So So, uh, that's one of the one of the demos we'll be doing is that, um, you know, the other one is a teeter-totter ramp, the RTI ramp. It's amazing how many women own their own vehicles and don't know the capabilities of their vehicles. Sure. You know, guys are always, ah, I've got plenty of trouble. Well, you know, really how much do you have? And especially when you put a, a guy's Jeep on there and then you bring another woman's Jeep and she's got more travel than he does. It's, it's, it kind of stirs the, the pot a little bit. <laughs> well, now you were talking about them doing the, the, the winch demonstration. What do they use? Is that a vehicle that the vendor brings or do, do you use uh, the, the vehicles that come out to the show or how does that work? Most of the time we use uh, what the vendor brings. Um, that way we can, they're more familiar with their vehicles, um, especially their winches or cables, stuff like that. They're more comfortable. Um, one of the things we are bringing out this year is a uh, truck diner. Now that's something that will actually have attendees the opportunity to put their vehicles on to see what what kind of torque and horsepower they got in their in their jeep or their truck or whatever it may be yeah i'd um, love i'd love to have mine on uh, on a dyno i think that'll be a big winner for you the only problem is is that i'm afraid i'd probably wind up with like 25 horsepower rear, rear wheel power <laughs> <laughs> well uh one, one of our vendors just did a uh uh hemi swap in her jeep and she's looking forward to putting it on our dyno this year. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I bet. So, uh, well, that sounds real interesting. The only thing that uh, that I was wondering about when you talk about approach angles and uh, uh, suspension articulation, if it's the vendor's vehicle that they bring, that I'm, I'm curious how that translates to what the people that are watching the show are able to comprehend, how, how it transfers to their vehicle. You see what I'm well, saying? I do. And the nice thing about that is most of our RTI ramps are actually parked in our parking area. Uh, we have a very wide open parking area at our fairgrounds. So it gives them, a, it gives, you know, an opportunity for the attendee to pull their vehicle up, see what their approach angle is, see what their, um, what is it? The RTI is on their, on their suspension. Mm-hmm. And then from there they can go into the show and talk to a vendor about increasing that. Ah, great. That makes sense. Now, I know this is a bit of legal ease, but what do you how do you control them out there on the ramp? Uh, <laughs> you know, the infamous alcohol intake and RTI ramp and then you not have this nice little Jeep laying on its side resting. Uh, well, um two there's there's two ways we do that. We we you have to be sober to drive <laughs> on the RTI ramp. That's Good. the first and foremost. But, there are the, the legal paperwork you have to sign. There you go. Um but at the same time, we also put limit straps and we, we, the people that are running the RTI ramps know what a stock vehicle's capability is. So they're not going to let someone go any higher than they, oh, I think my Jeep can go a lot better. No, um, it's stock, sir. Um, we know at, from a stock standpoint what your ve- vehicle is capable for. 
capable of. Right. So we only let them go so far. Okay. Well, that um, sounds like you got good controls there. That would be kind of my concern. Uh, <laughs> great yeah, place. We, we, we make sure that we are covered on all bases. Um, we don't let people that have, are intoxicated or, you know, even if you've had one beer, that's still intoxicated. Do something that may jeopardize not only them, their vehicle, but anyone that's within the within the area of damage or oh, yeah. getting hurt. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would be uh, it. Might make a good, interesting YouTube video, but it sure would ruin somebody's weekend and yes, uh, it and, would and potentially ruin the show. So that's it great. Would. That's great. I'll, uh that would be my concern, especially if I was parking my Jeep next to the RTI ramp. But you probably have a nice wide open area around that thing. We do have a nice wide open area for the RTI ramps. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, I, I I didn't ask where. I mean, you're in Ventura County, I'm sure, but where exactly is the uh, is this event happening? It happens at the Ventura County Fairgrounds. Uh, we're right off the 101 freeway, um, actually on the coast. We're we're the nice thing about a lot of our vendors say is it's great to look out and see the ocean. Oh, I'm sure. Probably nice to have that breeze too. It is. Uh, it it can get a little bit chilly as the evening goes on, but then our our focus kind of changes. This year will be our first year of having access to the Ventura County Raceway, um, which we're hoping to have a tough trucks competition as well as side by side races, ATV races going on all evening. So, uh, do people? Uh, you mentioned a parking lot, so people would actually come. To come to the show, they would park their vehicle, go to the RTI ramp if they wanted to, park their vehicle, and then come into the fairgrounds and talk to the vendors and uh, experience the um, uh, shows uh, or demos that are being put on by the various vendors. Are are these these uh, demos at the individual stands, or do you like showcase uh, different vendors at different times in a more open area that uh, you know where you wheel one in and you, then the next one comes out whenever that one's done? I know they're actually all the demos will be out in the open areas throughout the day. Um, there may not be something going on at a, at the demo at a particular time to allow for another demo. Um, each, each demo area is scheduled for a particular long time of the day. And then as the day progresses, if, if we see more of a crowd presence in one area than another, then we'll kind of, we may open up two demos. Um, Something we did last year that was kind of kind of got people riled up was, and they do it mostly at hot rod shows where they let people crackle the engine. Um, we did that last year at our show, and it was amazing how many people would move from one side of the fairgrounds <laughs> to the other side of the fairgrounds to see which of this vehicle had the throaty exhaust, which one had <laughs> yeah. the high pitch whine, or the you know. Sure. Um, it really, it just kind of brought the movie. Excellent. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was uh, like you have a, a center area type thing and, and you might have uh, a demonstration and then have a different demonstration or if they were a bunch of them going on at one time. I kind of like the idea of being able to go around to the different vendors, see what they got, and okay, here's now here's a demo. Let's go watch that. Then go, go back and, and peruse the vendors again. So it sounds like the 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 second era the second way is what uh, the way you guys do it. Yeah, well, I, I, we want it to where people can walk around and enjoy the demos, but also enjoy the vendors. Um, I want to detract from the vendors being in there by having demos going all day. 
So I want to give them the opportunity to shut it down a little bit with the demos and say, okay, let's go talk to vendors, you know, go get involved, see what's going on. Um, you know, if you have a question while the demo is going on, then you can walk to a vendor and say, hey, I see this happening. How is that possible? How can I do that? What do I have to do to my vehicle? Sure. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, gosh, I wish you were doing this in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, actually, I've had a lot of people ask me if, if it's going to turn into a, a, a traveling show, and I said, not, not, not this year. Wow, yeah, I guess it could be. You could uh, you could start the whole career with this and just go around uh, all over the United States and uh, have these shows. Well, I think, I think it's important that these shows are in areas that aren't just major metropolitans, but smaller, smaller communities where you still have a huge off-road presence, but you don't, the vendors don't get the interaction. I think a lot of today's problem is um, we find a part we like, we order it online, and we never talk to anybody about it. That's true. Um, this this gives an opportunity for the customer and the manufacturer to meet, talk about it, and get a better idea of who their customer is and who, who you're buying from. I mean, I, I don't like buying Chinese parts, but I know a lot of my parts that I do purchase come with made in China and I have to send it back. And I say, well, I want to talk to someone at your corporate office. Well, we don't really have a corporate office. It's more of a mail order. And I'm like, eh, I steer <laughs> clear of that. I want to, I want to know that the products I'm buying are made in the United States. Yeah. Well, that's great. It sounds like you, uh, it sounds like you're on the right track. And certainly with the number of people that you had turned out at the last show, uh, it, uh, it'll be interesting to hear how this, uh, this year's show turns out. When I say this year, the next show in in, in 2013, I guess will be your next show. Yes, it will. I'm actually looking forward to it. It's going to be a much larger show where, uh, we're going to have, we're actually taking up more space on the fairgrounds than we had last year. Um, doing more events, bikini contests, which everyone loves, (laughs) uh, um, which is, which we're actually putting a little twist on that is where it's a more of an off-road bikini contest where, we actually have these girls. We're right, we're not sure what we're going to have them do. It may be changing a tire or you know carrying a thirty-seven inch tire from one side to the other. Oh my but, goodness! There's going to be hernias. Uh, there's going to be some uh, some back straps on. Ah, okay, good. <laughs> but it's not just going to be the pretty girl on stage. Let's see. Let's find the the true Miss Ventura off road show. I think that's an excellent idea. It's uh, kind of. Uh, uh, butch it up, so to speak, with the, the four by four aspect. I think that uh, you'll get a lot of hoops and cheers about that, at least from the men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially from the men. So, uh, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say. So, Courtney, how can people? Uh, you know, we mentioned the website. I don't know if you're on Facebook, Twitter. How can how can people reach you? Uh, we're on. We have our website, which is MetroCountyOffRoadShow.com. We're also on Facebook. Uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. So if you want to contact us, all my information is open and available. Uh, if anyone has a question about the show, wants to get involved, maybe they're a business that wants to uh, support the show in some in some fashion or another, they can call me directly. My uh, contact information is on our website as well as on our Facebook page. Um, I'm available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to make this the best show I can. Always on duty. I like that. That's great. Well, Courtney, I want to thank you very much. And it sounds like uh, a great show. And in fact, I'm serious, man. I wish it was here close because uh, I've never been to one of these. 
Although I don't think they have many like what you're putting on, which is uh, the the interesting thing where you can go out there and and talk to the vendors and see the demos and uh, ask questions and interact. I like that whole idea. Uh, there's there's lots of us that have just done stuff and uh, learned about things through uh, forums like xjtalk.com and never really had the opportunity to interact with somebody that has a lot more knowledge, you know, face-to-face, so to speak. I mean, I get a lot of uh, information from the forum, but it's it's different when you can talk to them eye-to-eye. Uh, yeah. You always lose something in the electronic medium. So uh, that's great. It's a great idea. And uh, anyway, thank you very much for being on the show. And uh, if there's uh, anything else you'd like to uh, throw in here, go go right ahead. No, that, that's I, I thank you for having me on, Tony. And, I, uh, you know, maybe we can get you guys to come out and do a live broadcast to do the show sometime. Yeah, we might be able to do that. We've been trying to get people uh, in uh, all over that uh, are part of xjtalk.com to take their little uh, smart uh, phone with uh, the proper uh, app on it and record some some stuff. So we might be able to, maybe we could talk Aaron into that, OMC Off-Road, you know, the, the guy that uh, you're going to blame or thank for this uh, interview. <laughs> yeah, I get to see him <laughs> next weekend. Excellent. Have fun with this one. Excellent. All right, well, thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. Have a good evening. Well, guys, that's it for uh, this week. And uh, hopefully we'll have some more uh, <laughs> positive news next week in the uh, the old uh, Tony and Josh Jeep uh, front. Although, I, Josh, I think yours is working fine unless something else craps out. Well, I hope not. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and, uh, and keep my eyes on the gauges, so to speak. <laughs> And not to beat that dead horse, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway. Don't forget about our Amazon.com link uh, on the xjtalk.com page. Uh, go over there, click on that before you're making your Christmas purchases. And uh, again, uh, xjtalk.com and your uh, your favorite podcast here gets a, a few pennies uh, on each purchase. And it doesn't cost you a cent more. It's absolutely the same price, but we get a little at the same time. So... And it's, it's all from Amazon or one of the affiliates, not on your dime. So just uh, jump over there, xjtalk.com, click on the Amazon banner, and uh, then make your purchase. Don't forget that we're on uh, Facebook and Twitter. If uh, you can't find us, just jump over to xjtalk.com. You'll see a line of little icons at the top of the screen, and uh, you can click on one of those, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google+. Plus and uh, find us, friend us, uh, poke us, whatever the hell they got. You know, every social media thing has some something they call it differently. <laughs> and then one of these days, Josh is going to get on social media and you can poke him. <laughs> yeah, I'll be pokeable one of these days, I guess. <laughs> hey, folks, don't forget about our, our live show broadcasting every week on Ustream Sundays at 10 p.m. Central. Make sure you guys stop by and check that out. You can see uh, Tony and mine's ugly mug on the screen. Got some video there and uh, some great interaction in the chat room. And if you got something you'd like to uh, to shout out to us in uh, in person, so to speak, well, more or less, make sure you call up that number, 530-675-4102. That's a 24-7 voicemail line. Leave us a message. Excellent. All those things that I forgot, the co-host remembers. Perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bud. One of these days, I'm going to write something down. Nah, it ain't going to happen. All right, guys, have a, a good rest of the weekend. What little's left. We'll catch you next time.
I just wanted to tell you about xjtalk.com. It's a great site. There's no bashing. Everybody's nice and friendly. Great place to be.